Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 615, the Bicentennial. We're not going to buffalo you. We've got some good stuff this week with jokes from Troy and, uh, and other good things for your classrooms. Without further ado, is the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson. All right. Welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is the world's greatest co-show host, Mr. Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well, hello there. How are you? I am doing all right, but you know what? What's People that? are shocked. Shocked, are? I tell you, when they discover that I'm not a good electrician. Why is that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, I had to take a sweater back that I purchased. It was picking up old static electricity. Oh. Yeah, they gave me another one. Free of charge. And you said you were not a good electrician. <laughs> uh, you know, while I may not always return the affection of those that like me, I do ad always admire their good judgment. Ah. Uh, hey, have you ever seen fruit preserves being made? Have I ever seen fruit preserves be being made? Yes. I'm going to say no for the sake of the joke. <laughs> it's jarring. Ah. Uh, mm. Yeah, I've been there, yeah. done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, oh, did you hear about the, you know, there's been a lot of uh, legal stuff and courts and trials on on uh in the news lately but you oh, so yeah. you might have missed this one What's there that? was a courtroom artist who was arrested today oh, i'm oh, not no. i'm not really surprised though well yeah he always seemed sketchy mm. sketchy uh -huh. i gotcha yeah uh -huh. yeah i'll pencil hey. that one into my next uh next uh joke lineup <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's it's one to draw on um, yeah yeah so you know buffalo was incorporated as a city in 1832 i did so, not know that yeah i did not know it so here's the question yeah will they have a bicentennial in 2032 oh that's a good question a bison yeah tennial yeah <laughs> bring in the furry cows yeah, this, this is a joke that I can tell for the next couple of years. Um, at least, yeah. <laughs> at least, you know. Uh, you know, I know that you have the Vision Pro, and you are very yes. much on the forefront of uh, all the changes that are going on and taking place. And, you know, Correct. there's the whole neural link thing. And pretty soon, oh, yeah. you'll be able to think about things. And make, it, make them happen, right? So that's a joke in and of itself, right there. <laughs> if you were, if you were ordering takeout merely by okay. thinking about it, okay, all right, would that be food for thought? Oh, that's a good mm -hmm. question. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, hey, you know, there's a point where every sentence ends. It's true. There's yes. a point. Where 
every sentence ends. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I teach it down the hall for me, though. I'm pretty sure it has a run on. Never stops. Never stops. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, I accidentally left an apple outside my local doctor's office. You did? Yeah. Now, uh, now we can't get in. Oh, oh no, that's true. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Locked uh -huh. out, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you call friends you like to eat with? Ooh. Wait, wait, wait. Friends we like to eat with, not friends we like to. Kurt, yeah, you got to make sure you get okay. all the words in the sentence. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you call friends that you like to eat with? Taste buds. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, Did you hear... I'm going to do this one. I almost thought this one as a visual joke to tell people to go over to middleschoolmatters.com and read this. There was a, an exchange. Um, Dr. Frankenstein said, I'm just saying it's a very misleading flyer. Oh. The bodybuilding competition judge. Again, we can only apologize. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Bodybuilding competition yeah. judge uh -huh. Uh -huh. and finally the fact that some people can't distinguish between etymology and entomology bugs me in ways i can't put into words truth truth true true yep yep there is that should be a zapper for those people <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Hey, um, this is the point where we like to uh, to make sure that uh, we get some true quality in the show. So I'll go into the lies. Sometimes the jokes just uh, sometimes they're all right. Sometimes they're all right, and sometimes uh, they're a bit of a stretch. But what is not a stretch is quality science instruction. Yes, and one of the ways that we can get to quality science instruction is with the wonderful uh, Dave Bidlowski, who, you know, just does such a great job every week. Mm -hmm. And here, um, we're going to turn it over to Dave talking about the steps to create quality science instruction and, um, and having that vision and having those discussions to do that. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the Next Gen Science blog produced by West Ed, and there was an article entitled, Seeing is Believing building a shared vision of quality science instruction. And it was written by Vanessa Woolbrink for the January 10th, 2024 blog post. And she asked the question, what does it really take to build a shared understanding of the shift in teaching and learning expected in today's science classrooms? 
And she said that before a school district begins making updates to curricula, course structures, policies, and assessments, it is important to support teachers and leaders to build a shared vision of quality science education by demonstrating what it looks like to apply this new content and pedagogy in a classroom setting and connect it directly to practice. This can be achieved through professional learning that one, immerses teachers and leaders as learners in a classroom setting based on a vetted and modified excerpt from high quality instructional materials available in the field. Secondly, provides participants with the opportunity to see students engage in this type of learning through video, analyze student thinking, and connect it to the work of teaching. And thirdly, provides leaders with an opportunity to analyze teacher actions and connect them to the work of leading and supporting teachers. Ultimately, these immersive learning experiences can start to effectively build a shared vision for effective science teaching and learning by helping educators to first see key differences between their current instructional model and the new one, often helping participants realize, oh, we're not already doing this. Secondly, build trust and confidence in a new approach by experiencing the learning firsthand while seeing the impact on learners. Something that may have been previously intimidating and mysterious now appears feasible and potentially effective. And thirdly, develop a common understanding of some of the key instructional shifts like three-dimensional or phenomena-based by grounding abstract terms in concrete first-hand experiences. Not only are these experiences building a shared vision of what's happening in the classroom, they also deepen understanding of what system-wide changes need to happen to make that kind of instruction a reality. That's why these learning experiences aren't just important for classroom teachers, but also for school, district, and state leaders. These types of experiences create time for leaders to begin thinking about how to support such a big instructional shift, allocating adequate time and resources to professional learning, ensuring policies and practices are coherent with the vision and supporting a robust curriculum selection process for science. These types of experiences create time for leaders to begin thinking about how to support such a big instructional shift, allocating adequate time and resources to professional learning, ensuring policies and practices are coherent with the vision, and supporting a robust curriculum selection process for science. Seeing is believing. If we want leaders and teachers to invest the time, resources, and energy into changing what they're doing, they need evidence that this change will make a difference for students. By engaging in immersive classroom experiences, teachers and leaders can develop a shared vision for science education, helping to ensure alignment and sustainability in the education systems necessary to support all students. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. There's, there's a lot of people, I think, doing curriculum work at this point because I think there's been a lot of SEL kind of things going on. And there's always mm -hmm. curriculum work being done. But I think a lot of people are trying to balance SEL and where SEL fits in and how much and all that good stuff. And um, the science instruction, and science is so crucial and it's been going through a lot of changes. A lot of good changes so um 
So I thought I thought that was really wonderful as always. So, um, so yeah. So what's going on this week? This week I have off, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Rub it in. Okay, I have this whole week off. I mean, I'm. I have a, a, a lengthy honeydew list, which is really. I, I can say it's a honeydew list, but it's mostly I developed it, and I'm the one who said I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So, but she approved, you know, right? So, so she's not. She did not unapprove it. So yeah, see, so that, that, that makes a honeydew list because she she signed off on it. No, but really, it was you know I don't I don't want to put the emphasis on on that. Uh, so no, I th- no 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 no. No aspersions being cast. Yes. But last week, we had lots of conversations about AI. Um, I did talk to administrators about AI. We had a very good, productive conversation, just kind of starting things out. I think a lot of school districts right now are at the point where they're trying to figure out, um, do we need additional policies for AI? Do our policies that are in place cover AI? What do we want to do? How do we want to do it? Um, And it's interesting because there's some free versions of AI, but there's a lot of paid versions of AI as well. So it's, um, it's one of those things where I think we can very quickly get into in a, into a spot where some kids will have access to it because they can afford to pay for it. And some kids won't have access or at least access to the good stuff because they can't. Um, so that's one of the conversations that I think we're kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of starting to, to get in the edge of. Is there anything you've talked about with other teachers or? It's interesting. Tangentially, we've been doing this today, right? Prepare, prepare yourself for, for mental (laughs) whiplash, right? Um, I was talking with a couple of teachers and I was bemoaning the fact that, so I, I, I got my master's degree in curriculum instruction. I like writing curriculum. I like designing curriculum. I like thinking about curriculum. And I was bemoaning some fact that, you know, all this, this limits my ability to create and design and build my own. And a teacher turned to me and she goes, why would you ever want to do that? I never want to do that. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. that's weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why would you ever? But I think this kind of falls into that category. And maybe, and maybe one of the pitfalls that I think we need to look out for is uh, how much do we lean or do people, not we, how much do people then lean on this mm-hmm. um, instead of building their own, they lean on this and it, it becomes the, the creator of, because they just don't want to do that job. And granted, there are certain places for it, but I, like the one of the things we ran across was we have to screen everything. It's not really so much work as it is doing the, the grunt work. And then you have to sit down and do the brain work, the, the thinking part of it all. Um, but what happens if you get some people who have decided I'm not going to do the thinking part of it. We're just going to do. That's one of the things I think we've had a conversation about is um, making sure we do the thinking part when we use it. 
Yeah, and uh, I was talking to a middle school principal who they're working on their their vision. And so they asked, uh, uh, um, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Chat GPT. They asked Chat GPT to write a, mi a mission, a vision statement for the school. Oh. Like these, these are these are what we think is important. And, okay. And it wrote a really good one, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, this is. They're like, are we good with this? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Um, right, um, is how it was reported. And if you think about it, you know, vision statements for middle school are like, <laughs> the, yeah. I just yeah. I got to that far in the sentence, and and Sean was chuckling about it. it. They're very similar, right? Yeah, they're very similar. But also, I mean, how do you say five? You know, we see that five years down the road, this kid will, or if I don't. X number of years down the road, I think about the one we wrote, right? And it is so open in general that it could apply today because you have to write them open in general. Mm -hmm. I think it's great that they did that. Don't get me wrong. I, I I think it's great that they did that because it's hard. And and looking at something that it generates, it gives you the ability to look at that something and go, oh, that's garbage. ChatGP didn't care if you think it's garbage, right? You're not right. going to hurt anybody's feelings. But if right. a committee comes together and writes something and it's garbage, you have to find a really nice way to go. We need to revisit this and, right. and construct it differently. Whereas GPT, GPT, you go, same parameters, tweak this, go. And it, and it does it. It comes back with, you know, a region. And you could, re, you could be recursive on this for as many times until you get something that or you can take pieces and parts and slam them together this i think in that respect it's a really cool idea or cool tool yeah yeah and 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 that that part you know kind of worked and it was being used more as a uh as a brainstorming check kind of thing and you know honestly most of the most of the visions that i've seen because I've been part of writing them both for a district and for a school, you know, being um, being involved in education for as long as I have. And on, um, because I did do uh, the um, certification committees, right? For where you go and visit other schools and you say, yes, you're credentialed, you're accredited. Should be accredited committees, I mean. And I've been in several accredited committees, and one of the things that we did uh, as a member of the accredited committee was you looked at the vision and said, you know, how did you develop this? And there's like, there's a lot of consistency among them because, the, you know, let's be honest, you want kids to be thoughtful. You want them to be prepared for the future, right? You know, yeah. there's only... So a lot of those conversations really came down to um, wordsmithing. You know, I like potato. You like potato. Um, let's argue about that. So that could be it. Be an you know that that could be a great use for it, and that could be something that would work out well. But we did. We had conversations. Uh, uh, um, we've been having conversations about. I just don't like the term hallucinations, but it is what we have. So, you know, about hallucinations and making sure you're checking through with it and 
um, and, and just working through those things. So um, it's been it's been interesting. To, there's been talking to teachers and there's some teachers that are becoming very comfortable with it. And they're like, OK, I want to do. Are we ready to start working with this with kids? Are we ready to start having kids use um, the AI tools and start instructing them how to use these tools and, and that kind of thing? Um, and so I think that part's interesting as well, because there's a lot of kids that are using it. And again, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about there's going to be some kids that'll have access at this level. And some kids that won't have access at that level. And um, do we need to do something about that? Should we be prepared to do something about that? Um, and how do we, do, you know, how do we do that? What do we do with that? So, um, as a side note, um, Bard is now Gemini. So if you go to Bard.Google.com, it will redirect you to Gemini.Google.com. So um, that was. That was fast. Bard died right away. I checked Google. We should check to get Google graveyard. That was Gemini. So what, what they can do when they come with the third version? Because a Gemini's twins, what are, I don't know. The, what are the triplets? I don't know. Well, there's, there's Gemini and there's Gemini pro apparently. Um, I don't okay. Know. So, and that's like chat GPT 3.5 and chat GPT four, right? 3.5 is free. Right. But yeah. not as robust for well, it cost you twenty bucks a month, and apparently twenty bucks a month is the cost that everybody has decided upon. Seems to be a, uh, the the prevalent cost of it. It's um, the market, uh, the market price. And Chet, um, the. OpenAI is trying to raise like, what was it, seven trillion dollars, three trillion dollars? I don't remember what the. It was in the trillions. A lot. They're trying to raise a lot of money because apparently running these things is very expensive. So, um, so that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. Um, I do want to put out a reminder about phishing and scams and helping people be prepared for those because the phishing and scams are getting better and better at this point. And um, people need to be aware there is just, there's a lot of them going around. And school systems are right now one of the hottest targets. So be aware that um, that there are phishing and scams going out there. Um, you should be able to check to see where an email is coming from. You should know how to do that, especially on your phone. On your phone is where you're going to be most vulnerable because you're probably in a hurry already. Your defenses are probably down a little bit. And mm -hmm. they kind of hide the actual email address that it's coming from. It's just a name, which could be um, something that you know. So always remember if something is kind of feeling like there is some kind of emergency, 
um, take a breath, think about it. Um, and right now there's a, also a lot of phone calls going out and they're using voices um, and voice, um, you know, voice, um, they're stealing voices. So it sounds like someone, you know, so be very careful with that as well. It's a good thing we have a video link. Otherwise, I may not know that that's you over here in the podcast today. Yeah, well, the video, did you, there's a company yeah. in Asia where the, the, the employee transferred $25 million because he did a video call with the CEO and some of <laughs> the other officers. <laughs> and they were faking the video call. And since the guy was like, no, no, I, I'm looking at him and I'm talking to him, he believed it really was the CEO. So he transferred 25 million bucks. And um, fortunately, there's been a lot of these. Uh, fortunately, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of these. So the actual transition was stopped by the, I think it was the Hong Kong police. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, you, you now need to be pre in, prepared for video. Um, and I do know somebody who via Facebook, his Facebook account was um, taken over and the person or persons who took over his Facebook account were scamming people and they were using video to do it as well. So be aware. Um, because if you get a hold of somebody's Facebook account and they've created videos, I think there is the possibility of reusing those videos. And if you think of something like, hey, Jen, that we've talked about, then you can change what people are saying. You can have a real video of them and change what it is that they're saying. So, you know, be aware. There's a couple of other things that came up this week. Um, you know, I, you know, I like to do jokes and I was thinking, you yes. know what, I need a, I need a, I need a joke a day. Oh yeah. So I wrote a random glossary, uh, wrote a random glossary with jokes that I like and Moodle. So every day I can get a random, cause I do the random glossary block mm -hmm. and it pops up with the joke of the day. So, now is that public or is that something you just did for you that's or me. that's just for me okay that's just for me well me and anybody that's in that course but you know that's oh, right yes basically just me because we we, we're, we're, we got some things we're working on and this one the other people in that course don't really access it very often um and then there's a couple of other classics that came up in conversation one of which was the five-minute university. Um, are you, do you remember the five-minute university? It's been a while, but I seem to recall it, yes. Yes, with Father Guido Sarducci. Correct. And uh, it's hilarious. Um, and we've been having some conversations about instruction and what does instruction mean. And I, 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 
this is an old clip, so I shouldn't be ruining this for anybody. But the basis of the five-minute university is in five minutes, they teach you everything that you tend to remember five years after graduating from college, which is humorous. And it also points to, okay, you know, what are we really teaching in class? You know, how effective are those multiple choice questions and and some of the gamification because some of the gamification can be high interest but not necessarily high learning mm -hmm. so you gotta walk that one so there was that and then the other one that led to another one of the classics oh yeah which is the 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 medieval help desk and um, that one is just an absolute classic about adopting new technology um, where there is a monk going from a scroll to a book which um, is rather humorous and uh, those are both I, I think that one's like two and a half minutes and then the five minute university one I don't remember how long that one is, but that one is um, is not extremely long either. It's um, it's uh, about four minutes, so which seems to me, if it was doing the five minute university, I would have made the stick five minutes long. So, all right. So that's what was going on for me this week. And um, I think you spent some time on the social web this week. I did. Um, I did. I did spend time on social web a little bit. Susie Dent uh, at Susie underscore Dent. Word of the day is a reminder of emplomania. Emplomania. It's a 19th century word. It's the excessive desire to be in power, no matter what the cost. And there are some kids that, you know, you can recognize. <laughs> that's definitely a word that's got to go in like a, a, a progress report or, a, you know, definitely got to be in there. Um, James Woods at Real James Woods, um, South Carolina Patriot, Christopher Gadsden is born on this day in uh, history, February 16th, 1724. He's a South Carolina Patriot. Uh, Christopher Gadsden is born. The Gadsden flag is uh, of his design. It's the yellow one with the curled up snake. This is Don't Tread on Me. Gadsden's one of the most prominent patriots in the uh, South during the American Revolution. And that flag is uh, his invention. It's the Gadsden flag is one of the early flags before the mm -hmm. official adopted flag. National Park Service has a reminder, you know, as people are starting to get out into the into the uh, national parks. Uh, they, uh, they, 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 they put in a conversation between a visitor and them. So the visitor said, when will you tell us where you keep the unicorns? And the National Park Service said, as soon as visitors stop feeding squirrels and taking dangerous selfies with bison, we'll let you know where, uh, where the horses with the giant spikes on their heads roam. There you go. I like that. Yeah. Uh, historic vids at History in Memes. AI was asked to generate this iconic NBA moment, but with Greek gods. And if you look at it, it's pretty cool. And they even threw in Janus, who is the, the two-faced uh, god. He's got one on the front, one on the back. 
And of course, you can never sneak up on him, right? And uh, he's going to know where the basket is at all times. And it's really cool looking. I'm going to drop this one on my uh, seventh graders next week. Uh, or I'm sorry, well, yeah, next week. I have to go to work next week as opposed to some people on the show. That's right. Um, I get two days off. He gets five. Um, and I thought this was really cool. And it's all AI generated, right? And I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm running into a, this is a, a first rat hole or maybe 10th. Um, <laughs> I'm running it. I'm going to use it, but I'm going to preface it because it looks so real. I have to start telling, my kids are coming up and asking to me if the Greek gods are real. Because we've talked about them in class. We've done a few projects with them. But they don't read, right? Where I've put in things like, you know, these are mythological. But no, so they're they're pretty sure. And they're, some of them are convinced that the, the Greek gods are, are real. So I have to, I'm going to have to spend time, you know, saying this is an AI. This is not real. But it is super cool looking. I just thought I'd throw that in there. This one's for you. Two, there's two from the same same source, but these are for you. All right. Puns at the punny word or world. Sorry, the punny world. I once swallowed a bunch of synonyms. It gave me the sorest throat I've ever had. <laughs> I like it. And then the next one is uh what did the whale say after eating a ship? What did the whale believe... say after eating nah. a ship? Well, it said, I, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. All right. I'm not a math person, but there are math people out there. And so I have put, I found a math one this week that I thought was pretty cool. All right. Okay. An Australian, this is from the ancient library. An Australian mathematician cracked the code of a famous 3,700-year-old Babylonian clay tablet, revealing that they were doing more accurate trigonometry nearly 1,500 years before the Greeks. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Threw a little picture in there of the guy with the tablet. Um, Apple Insider is saying that Apple owns hundreds of website domains, uh, but now has added iWork.ai, which could indicate that it has plans to highlight AI features in its application suite coming soon. And I imagine that's going to happen inside of Vision Pro. That's just a guess. I don't know. Um, but it might be one of the strategies for bringing uh, AI and uh, visual spatial computing to you in sometime soon. Yeah, and um, it seems like AI is going to, um, it, it, Apple is going to be uh, involving a lot with that. And one of the things that you may want to check out is using AI to have uh, conversations with characters. So, Sean, you teach history quite a bit, and sometimes, uh, you know, obviously students can't talk with historical characters who have passed from this earthly um, existence, but they could have theoretical conversations with, uh, if you ask the AI to take on the role of one of those historical, historical characters. 
then it'd be funny they, if they took on a hysterical character. Yeah, hysterical versus historical. Funny. There's a gotta gotta be uh, ready to enunciate clearly, right? I like hysterical way better. <laughs> well, maybe they're hysterical historical. Oh, oh, I like it. I, you know? <laughs> yes, uh-huh. nice, nice interdisciplinary reference there, Mister Patterson. <laughs> Uh, so you could have the, the kids, students have conversations mm-hmm. with, with them. And you could do this with historical characters. You could do that with people in current events or news. You could have book char- characters in books. So fictional characters. And Matt Miller over at Ditch That textbook has some tips and some examples of of using this so he has some tips in creating the prompts and some examples and what those prompts have come up with and some things to consider um, as well and then he also references Character.ai, which is in beta, um, and this lets you create characters, and they have created characters of where you can have conversations with different personas. Um, so it's it's can be kind of a illuminating and entertaining application as well. Um, in that you can create these other characters for people to have conversations with. So you could have some kind of safe conversations as well. There's a whole wide variety of them over at Character AI. And so you could could model this for kids or you could let kids um, go through that process as well. just makes for kind of an interesting experience there so here's a, a wonder question for you mm-hmm. i know you can take and put an a on a ai on a raspberry pi and you can train it yep. um what what if you were to take um all the open source of most of these characters that we deal with in history all their papers and everything else is is all open source but what if you were to take and build into a an AI on a Raspberry Pi, all of the historical documents and uh, diaries, letters of the individual characters or or things, and build that as a very specific AI for a classroom where the kids could ask that question and then train the hallucinations out of it. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's actually quite a few tech directors right now who are experimenting with creating um, a local AI. Um, And what they're doing right now is most of them tend to be focused on like policies and procedures and that kind of thing. So what what they're experimenting with and building is something so that you can say, you know, a question that you normally would ask like HR. Hey, um, 
under what condition, you know, how many days off do, do we have in the contract if this is the situation, right? Or does this qualify for FMLA or something like that? And then it can answer because it's pulling directly from that corpus of school stuff. But a couple of them have also started asking about using this with kids. If we create the AI resource, we create the corpus within the district so that the information doesn't leave the district, then that is a different legal experience than um, than just saying go use Ape and, and go use Chat GPT, right? Because mm -hmm. if you're using Chat GPT or Gemini or you know the, all of all of the AI um, sites, that information and a lot of information is flowing to that that site. Whereas if you created the um, the experience in-house and most of them quite frankly are not using a Raspberry Pi they're using either um, a web server that they have so they're kind of creating um, with, with, with things on a little more robust hardware um, but then you own all of that that information isn't going anywhere so that kind of becomes a different experience. So I don't know, because in talking to a, the people who are doing this, the the experience is not quite as polished as the um, chat GPT-4 that you're paying for. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's just, it, there's going to be rough edges, I imagine. So. Hmm. Just a thought. Mm -hmm. No, it's a good one. It's one something that a lot of people are having right now, and and again, part of this comes, part of this comes back down to FERPA, part of it comes down to PII to personally identifiable information, part of this comes down to data security. Um, you know, I mean, personally, I'm at the point where I want company to tell me, I want companies to start tell me, telling me. If they haven't been hacked and lost my information, because <laughs> I've right, gotten right. so many, I've gotten so many. Uh, we had a whoopsie, <laughs> but don't worry, it's not a really bad whoopsie. It's a whoopsie though, and and you qualify for um, a year of <laughs> okay. Um, so I almost want companies to say, hey, by the way, as far as we know, we haven't lost your information. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, and as schools, it's one of those things that, you know, teachers don't necessarily want to think about or do think about. And that's not, I'm, I'm not blaming them. It's just a kind of a fact of life. But we have to think about data and what's getting out there. One of the things that fascinated me was um, there's a lot of places that seem to be collecting student information and birth dates. And it was like, okay. And then it came out that um, other nations, other nation states, that's very valuable information 
because that mm. tells you when they would be eligible to vote. Mm. No, and it's things like that you, you you wouldn't think about. It's like okay, so so big deal. You know, you know that you know when my birthday is. Big deal, but then you start realizing. Well, but if you can put that stuff on mass, then you then that gives you an attack point. Not to mention how many places use birthday as a verification um, point as well. So, so yeah, so it's it's kind of a point where uh, you know there's a lot of people that are really trying to figure out what. AI is going to look like in schools and what it should look like. And, and that's good. That's, it's good that we're going through these conversations and we should have people with different perspectives and we should be arguing about these things. So, um, so we'll see. All right. Um, Larry Ferlazzo um, has a write up about individual acceleration plans. Oh, and um, he, the Los Angeles, which has got um, a track record of making the news for not good reasons. Um, the whole iPad debacle was one of those. Mm -hmm. huh. um, that the um, L.A. superintendent has um, announced that they're going to have Ed, an artificial intelligent powered chatbot, who's going to be communicating individual and in individualized information to parents. Hmm. Um, and that information is based on individual acceleration plans for each of their students. Now, there's lots of potential problems with this. One is the whole idea that kids need to, quote, catch up from the pandemic. Um, but Larry, Larry Ferlazzo says, you know, uh, he's skeptical, by the way, of how well the L.A. effort is going to work out. But he says, you know what? Um, what if it was co-created with students and... Um, leading with their assets. Um, so he gave it a try, and you can read about it as in one of his blog posts. Um, and he says it was very well received by students and family alike. However, it was extremely time-consuming, and I wasn't able to complete them with all students. And I also felt like I wasn't able to do the follow-up on them that they required. Um, and so he's thinking about and looking for suggestions on how to improve that process. And I think that's one of those things that's like, great, right? That's personalized instruction. And, you know, the, the more you can help students individually, the better. But that's just hard to scale at some of the things that we have in place and some of the restraints that we have. So can you imagine having an IEP for every kid? Theoretically, that's what we're supposed to have now. Yes. You and I both know <laughs> practically and right. given the time and constraints, that's 
completely unrealistic. But that's what our central office tells us we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And but even they haven't quite figured out like how we're supposed to make that work. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I think the promise of the virtual academy that our district is running is that that piece of it is the fills it most completely. And I can see why they do that and why, but we don't use AI to do it, but even then it's not perfect, right? Because I mean, if you're going to do it perfectly, that's just, you'd have to have an AI that's far more advanced than any of the AIs we have right now. You'd have to feed. So going back to the the previous uh, uh, thing about inserting documents, whatever, into an AI and having it know, you'd have to have everything about a kid and Mm -hmm. even like everything the kid knows into an AI for the AI to go, all right, this is what the kid needs. This is what the kid needs. Like um, one of my students on Friday came up with her quiz grade and it was a great grade. And I looked at her. And I watched her. She didn't cheat or anything like that. And I looked at her and I said, who are you? And what have you done with, you know, previous, she laughed. And I said, this is wonderful. Your parents are going to be, your parents aren't going to know what to do with you. Cause we've had conferences. We have meetings. We brought them in mm-hmm. and the parents are genuinely concerned. And she's finally starting to click. Uh, hey, you know, I probably should do something about this. And then when we use a, a, a diagnostic, I ready uh, plus the whole, training scheme i said no if you're able to do this why is your eye ready so far she's back at the kindergarten reading level she's she can't be nor do this quiz she can't be kindergarten right and she finally straight up said well she goes that when i first got here i was mad and angry and i didn't want to switch schools and i just blew off the test because i didn't think it was important so she's locked in at a kindergarten level because of the way she approached the test. The test, you know, now says that she's a kindergarten reader. She's got to get treated like one. Um, I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the kid is always the most unknown variable. It's the teacher that has that being able to read the room, so to speak, that's going to be the mm-hmm. most critical factor in all of this. But even then, you'd have to have a whole team of teachers in one room to just be able to do that with the, with every kid. And that's frequently the premise. That's the premise of a lot of the um, software packages, right? Is that they're going to do that. That's the premise. I don't believe that they can fulfill that because they're missing the human side. And they're missing so much of that human side and those, so much of that relationship. But the technologists don't really understand education, even though they think they do. And so they say, here's the software package that will lead you from A to B, will lead the student from A to B, and it'll personalize it for them. It's like, yeah, that's not personalization. So, um, so yeah. So I think it is, uh, I think it is obviously, you know, it's great. The more you know kids and the more you can work things in that help reach the each kid, the better. But, um there's some limitations there. Um, I'm going to throw this one in, and I'm going to throw this one in as uh, kind of for uh, Dave Bidlowski. Um, oh. And that is, there is a women in chemistry site 
um, and they have some great graphs, some great infographics, um, and some great information. Um, so over at compoundchem.com, um, you can check out the Women in History. Um, they have International Women's Day, 12 women from history with uh, at least five different parts. They also have how many women have won the Nobel Prize in chemistry. I have a whole infographic with that. Um, and they have the women of the periodic table. Um, so it just kind of highlights that there's been a lot of contributions from women in history. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, also, um, Go Noodle, uh, which has uh, which is free. They have a, a special. It's based on Valentine's Day, but um, that's the the construct from it. And it's called Take Care with Peanuts, Speak from the Heart. And this is a, a short video um, about, um, about Valentine's Day. And uh, Franklin writes Valentine's Day and cards, and they end up getting blown away. And Linus says, you know, the thing that people really love about what about your valentine's day is what it says and it's personalized so he goes around and he tells each person what makes them special why he likes them why he respects them and i think that's a good lesson for um for our for kids to learn to be able to say hey you know what i appreciate this about you and it's just a good reminder for us as well um and well, let's see, let's do this one as well. Um, Scott McLeod has mm. um, uh, posting on the best books that he read in 2023. Um, and he says, my top book for 2023 was actually first published in 1964. <laughs> um, and that was... Uh, how Children Fail by John Holt. And he's been sharing lots of quotes from there. He also um, read again an ethic of excellence, um, recording, uh, recoding America, and finally fix injustice, not kids, and other principles for transformative equity leadership. So if you're looking for some books to read, you might want to check out those options um and that might be a, a way to find your way home and if you're finding your way home you may need a country road yes oh. i'm pulling out john denver references you so, are which but, by the way is that genre is hugely popular, which is why the Axis, the Culture Translator, is talking about country roads. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it is that uh, it's talking about in a Super Bowl ad, Beyonce announced that she's releasing new music and and, and the lead singles, Texas Hold'em and 16 Carriages, um, hit uh, with a country twang. And uh, she's going to be moving into the country genre. And apparently it's a big hit with teens right now. 
So okay. something to kind of watch out for. The country music is making a huge inroads, country inroads, mm-hmm. into the uh, the teenager. So now maybe it's not uh, maybe it's not so much the uh, other other genres of music uh, you have to be up on. You have to be up on your country. Yep, country music. Yes. And if you want to stay up on all things middle school, head over to middleschoolmatters.com. We have all the show notes. We have all the wonderful jokes from this week. Um, and um, there's spots where you can reach out to us as well. And mm-hmm. um, links, we'd love to hear from you. Of course, we'd love it if you'd share the show with others and let them know about the the show, either on their social medias or live and in person. Um, With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.